Uh, we're going to play a little video clip and then we're going to get started. I'm going to come forward so I feel like I'm not 100 miles away. Hey, 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 Mr. Miyagi, look! Look! <clears throat> you begin a luck. <laughs> okay. 1984, the original Karate Kid. So, uh, yeah, I, I love that film. Today's topic's patience. And uh, this film is my illustration to start. And, uh, I, yeah, I kind of love this film, childhood film. You know, you always like these classic childhood films. And uh, I don't know if you know the story, but Daniel, the, the young kid, he's basically getting beaten up on by these kids at school. And uh, he's coming home one day, he gets a lot of trouble from the bullies. He's, he's, he's really picked on and by a big group. And one day, on his way home, uh, this character, this older guy, Mr. Miyagi, the old man, he sees this and he steps in. And Mr. Miyagi, it turns out, is a master at karate. And he basically defends Daniel and sees off the bullies. And from that moment, all Daniel wants to do is learn from Mr. Miyagi and emulate him. And so Mr. Miyagi doesn't want to know anything. And he refuses, really, to teach Daniel. And Daniel persists. And in the end, instead of giving Daniel uh, instructions on how to punch and kick, he makes him do a lot of work. And uh, it is endless, physically hard, laborious work. I don't know if you've done it yet. Okay, we've got the action here. This is, this is it, right? This is it. This is really, can you come out the front and do them for me? <laughs> but if, if my kids are going to wash the car, yeah, this, this happens. Sarah and I are like, wax on, wax off, you know, this is all this. And then it's paint the fence. I, I, I don't do karate yet, you can tell. But uh, what, what's happening uh, is exactly what Mr. Miyagi wants. He wants Daniel to learn that there's no quick fix. There's no quick fix. And Daniel has to go through hard work to solve his problem. And all this stuff, the wax on, wax off, painting the fence, these are all the defensive karate moves. Because you can't learn to attack and win if you haven't done the hard work first in all these exercises, gaining strength, learning to defend. And finally, uh, Daniel gets his reward at the end. Um, he gets his showdown. And if we're looking at today's topic, today's topic's patience. Patience. And we're looking at patience with God's plan for your life. And the thing is, I, I'm gonna have, I can berate you now, because, you know, a topic like patience, okay, and I'm standing up the front, I don't have to sit there, so let's, let's just quantify how impatient you are, because it's just a bit of fun. I've got numbers, so obviously Google knows more about you than you do, so we'll look at Google, and uh, Google have, have worked on this, because speed is everything, and apparently you will visit a website less often on your mobile if it's slower than a competitor by more than 250 milliseconds. That's a thousandth of a second, really. And uh, Arvid Jain, a Google engineer, is a very serious article, he says, subconsciously, you don't like to wait. Well, 
kind of earth-shattering thing we've just discovered. Um, apparently this week, this is in the BBC this week, if the page doesn't load in three seconds, you will not buy the item. I mean, really, guys? Like four seconds and you get what you want, and you didn't wait three seconds. You couldn't wait. So we all know, okay, that we hate waiting. And companies like Google, Amazon, uh, they make a business out of our impatience. And yeah, we could berate you on your patience, and yeah, I should sit down and listen. But uh, we're going to turn this morning to James 5, and uh, we're going to look at the scripture, I'm going to read it, and we're going to start looking at this topic of patience. Let me read. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rain in the fall and spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience in suffering, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no, so that you will not sin and be condemned. And I was a bit nervous when Steve gives me James. I think James is a hard book. It's full of really cutting blunt uh, deconstruction of our lives. I think Joe said it pulls no punches. It really says it like it is, and it's full of really devastating critique. But I want to say this, as we, as we set the scene, this is not a critique on your impatience. It's not. This passage is an exhortation to patience. This is an exhortation to encourage you. And there's three things I want to cover in this sermon, just to show you. I'm going to talk about how this is an exhortation, and I'm going to talk about these three aspects, that patience is never passive. It is not passive. Secondly, patience is strong in suffering. It endures And finally, it holds its tongue in wisdom. So if we go to this first sentence, the opening, uh, verse 7a, if we've got it up. Um, Really, this is an exhortation. I think it's the next slide. Um, Because James says this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. So first of all, James is gone through the book and he's really taken apart not just us but society in chapters 4 and chapters 5 he he starts his passages with this finger point now listen you you can see the 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 finger point but he's very broad in his brushstrokes he's critiquing society and the world in which we live it's a very prophetic critique of a godless life but this morning um Though chapter 5 begins with this critique of the rich, godless elite, you can go back and look at the beginning of chapter 5, 
godless plans and their godless use of their money. This is to us. This is to those who have a faith within the church. The exhortation says to brothers and sisters. So who were these people? This was the church under trial. Verse one in, sorry, verse 2 in chapter 1. We haven't got it here. I'll, I'll just reference back to some of the things we've looked at. Uh, this is a church who are facing huge trials. They were scattered by Roman persecution. Stephen, their leader, had been murdered. They were the innocent in 5 verse 6. They were being run down and destroyed by a corrupt elite. They were exploited by others in terms of their wages. 5 verse 4. Chapter 5, verse 4. And uh, James is full of compassion and concern uh, because he himself suffered greatly at the hands as this church was scattered. And, and he suffered personally. And ultimately, he was martyred, thrown from the temple and beaten to death by a mob. That's extreme. And hopefully, this is nothing compared to, you know, we won't come close to that kind of suffering, one hopes. Um, but you see... James is counselling us that patience is necessary to bring about a consistent lifestyle. This little word then in this sentence, be patient then, this means that everything James has said already in this book, everything we've learned about already, is completely connected to what he says now. Patience is the thing that is going to achieve everything as you work at all these things we've looked at in the book. He's building on from what he's already said. This, is a, this passage is a result of, this, this topic of patience is a result of or following on from everything else. Uh, this is uh, an action we're encouraged to be busy with. It says here in 5 verse 8, and we've very much heard this in the prophecy and the, the words this morning. 5 verse 8 says, stand firm. Despite anything that life throws at you, stand firm. That's verse 8 in chapter 5. Finally, in this, this thing, is, uh, this is not open-ended patience. Now, if, uh, if we tell my son off, we make him sit down on the bottom step because he's been a real pain, and we make him wait, and we put time on the buzzer. The kitchen uh, oven has a buzzer. It goes on, and my wife says, five minutes on the stairs, and he sits down, and he picks up something and throws it across the room, and, and then it's like, ten minutes on the buzzer, and then he, he picks up his sister's stuff and breaks something, and the time goes up, and, and then it, it gets to this point where it, he's really, he's a very expressive boy, and then he wails, he's like, because he knows that the time just goes on, and it's like endless. Suddenly, the, the immense amount of time he has to wait is too much. And he can't cope. Uh, and he expresses it. But you see, James is not asking us to have unended, endless, horrifically long patience. This is not what he's about. He's urging us to be patient because something's near. There's this immense sense of imminence of something that's going to happen. Be patient, be patient, wait, wait. It's going to happen. There is something that's going to happen. No matter what happens, there is an end in sight. Wait, wait, wait. It's going to happen. Wait. The phrase is this thing, the Lord's coming. 
It's actually a non-biblical phrase we could use, the second coming. It's not in scripture, but it, it kind of sums it up in some ways. But because this is kind of uh, critical, really, to Christian theology. But one day, you'll meet your maker. Maybe not today. It could be. You don't know what life holds. But if you don't die first, God will return. And he will judge the whole earth. And every man will stand before him and his works will be judged. And as James counsels us to live a whole life of faith, all these aspects and actions he's brought out, he's bringing us to this point that he's saying, stand firm, stick with it, because it's going to come, it's going to come. This life is not sure. I'll reference it. Revelation 3.20, Matthew 24.33, 1 Peter 4.7, Romans 13.12. There's a lot of scripture. It's inescapable, this idea that God's going to come and return to judge the character of your life. So we have this, this phrase and this passage that is full of patience. It's saying, be patient, be patient. But it's full of a sense of imminent relief. Be patient, stand firm, wait for it. The time is near. Like Daniel in the movie, he gets his showdown. He has to be patient. But it comes. The showdown will come. The reward will come. There is this phrase in James 1 verse 12. It was on the song this morning as well. Just as Jesus has the crown of life, it says that we will receive the crown of life if we persevere. Verse 12 in chapter 1 of James. Christian theology is incomplete without that. Hold on, be patient. God has a plan for you, an immense plan. Hold on, stick with it. Be patient. Trust his plan for your life. Trust it. So, next point. Patience is never, ever passive. I've got a photo of my garden. I don't know if you can see it. And uh, Actually, if you turn around, it's... A bomb site, but this looks really nice, okay? This is the nice bit, right? <laughs> Some people have seen my garden, and they're, they're like laughing. So, yeah, okay, it's a bit of a lie, but, but this, is, this, thing, this is a work in progress, okay? And uh, in my garden last, last autumn, I planted these two fruit trees. They're just out of the picture. Um, the garden the car deteriorates slightly as you turn around. But uh, I, put the, I bought these as dry root ball. You buy them in the post. They come in the uh, autumn. You plant them just sort of towards Christmas, put them in the ground, and uh, I've been reading up on how I do espalier training, so you train it out so it fans out along the wall, and you train it along a wire, and uh, as the tree bursts into life in the spring, and it's really grown, as loads has happened, loads of leaves, it's grown its length and expanded, these small fruit appeared on the tree that would grow into really ripe fruit, and the hardest thing was that I cut them off. I cut the fruit off. And I knew from all the reading I did that I had to do that. Because if I rushed ahead and took the fruit and enjoyed it and let it mature, the tree would not root. You have to give the tree time to go deep. It has to sink roots deep into the ground to grow strong. And every year after that, you get far more fruit. 
And we cleared all the ground in the garden. Uh, it's looking pretty good. I haven't finished the lawn. And we went on holiday. I was out of the house for two weeks. And when I got back, we'd planted up, we'd bought stuff from the garden center, and we couldn't afford to buy these huge bushes that are all mature. Uh, we didn't get the seedlings. We got sort of, you know, semi-started you know, plants, planted them up, and we left space around them so that, that they can grow into the space, and they will, you know. Uh, they take time. Um, but when we came back from holiday, uh, I had sat in that garden, enjoyed my coffee before we went away, and thought, wow, it's going to look great when these plants mature. Two weeks on, you know, what's going to happen? Because I got back, I made my coffee, and I sat down in the garden. And seriously, the weeds, no, I don't exaggerate, they are up to my knees. There's weeds everywhere. And the plants that I planted that I want to see fill the garden have not really grown. They have, but I, I can't see it. And it's so frustrating that you have to wait. And I, I've worked hard. I spent nearly every evening doing just an hour, just clearing and clearing and keeping the space around the plants, watering. There's a lot of work. A farmer who works to plant his fields he works to clear the weeds. He works to tend the shoots. He works, he works, he works. He still has to wait patiently for God to give the growth. He can't make it happen. But he can look to God in hopeful anticipation. He waits patiently, working and working. We have work to do. Much work to do. We have to do it. It's hard. We work through things. But we have to be patient for God to bring about the reward, to God to bring about the increase, the growth. James 1 verse 4 says, Perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. Perseverance is this word that is defined by persistence in doing something, clearing the weeds, doing whatever we've got to do. Despite difficulty or delay in achieving success, we must have patience for God's plan for our life. We have to work at it, a work in progress. Patience is active, it's busy, it has things to do. So the next thing is that patience is strong in suffering. Patience endures James says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience, and he gives two examples. He is saying that patience is most challenge when life gets hard, when something doesn't go your way. You have a plan, and plans are good. We did that last week. Plans are great. Make them. But there's this funny quip. It's kind of humorous. But, you know, there's a deep truth in it. Life is what happens when we're busy making other plans. Because you know that no matter what plans you make, life has other plans. You can work hard, do all sorts of things, diligently, good things. And life does something to you that takes you by surprise. We're given two examples of outstanding patience. And we need to dig into what these are. The prophets, and that would be so long you'd really tire of me, you'd have no patience if I went through all the prophets. I picked Job, and I want to look at the patience of Job. It's a, 
An expression that's kind of funny, again, you know, that's the kind of patience my wife needs after a day with my son when he's on full form. Um, You need the patience of Job dealing with that difficult scenario at work. I don't know what it is. Um, But the fact is, and this is the thing that I wrestled with this week, it's really interesting, that Job wasn't necessarily patient. Really. He wasn't completely patient. He's not an outstanding example of just waiting around. I can, I can dig into this. So Job 21, verses 2 to 4. I'll, I'll just read it. I haven't got it up. Listen carefully. This is Job speaking to his friends. Listen carefully to my words. Bear with me while I speak. Is my complaint directed to man? Why should I not be impatient? That's Job 21. Verses 2 to 4. Then what about this? Job 16, 2 to 3. Does this sound like a patient man? I've heard many things like this. Again, Job is talking to his friends. Miserable comforters that you all are. Will your long-winded speeches never end? Does he sound patient? You see, Job makes mistakes in word, in attitude. He comes close. He's really pushed, pushed to the edge. The things Job goes through, I hope no one ever. I don't think I know anyone that's ever had that kind of trials. So was he patient? What is it that James is bringing out about Job? And you see, for all of what Job went through, for all of the trials he had, Job never once cursed God. He didn't doubt him. He didn't doubt God. He spoke to God. He challenged him. He took his complaint to God. We hear it. We have all these words. He was honest before God. Compare his friends. They spoke lots. Pretty poetic, some of it. But some of it was wrong. None of it was directed of God. Did they pray for him? They just blamed him and pulled out all these ideas they had. God took his trials and his complaint to God. He trusted God with his life. He questioned God's plan. He didn't like it. We feel his pain. But he took it to God and dealt directly with God. Job's patience was perseverance. He persevered with God's plan for his life. He worked through it patiently waiting for God to make things right. Maybe there was no justice to his situation, but he waited for God to put things right, for God to do justice. And we know the end to that story. The great reward Job received was greater, far greater than anything he had at the beginning. It's a picture of how if we persevere persevere when things don't look like they're going our way, when the plan is not quite what we expected, we have to wait for God to put things right. And he will. Wait. Hold on. We've got a picture now uh, of uh, someone from the Olympics. Does anyone know who this is? Anyone? This is, uh, got a name up there? Can you, yeah, I, I, I put the name, I know I put the name up. <laughs> yeah, it's a refugee team. And uh, this lady, it's a great story, uh, Yusura, I, I don't I know, if, apologies if I say her, her name wrong, but she was from the Syrian 
Olympic Committee. She was sponsored and paid for by the Syrian Olympic Committee. And over the last four years as she was training, the country literally is falling apart. And uh, she was training, and she says, sometimes we could not train because of the war. And sometimes you would be swimming in pools where the roofs were blown open in three or four places. And as the country's collapsing, she is training and training and training, training for the Olympics, because that's where she wants to be. And Damascus is getting increasingly unstable. She's living there with her sister and her family. And in the end, they have to leave because their life is in danger. And she traveled. She traveled through Lebanon, through Turkey, and she reaches towards Greece. And they get a, a boat. They're in one of these teams of refugees, these groups of refugees that uh, are crowded onto these small boats. They uh, motor out of the harbor, out of the beach, and you know, just a few minutes, not long, into their voyage towards Greece and hopefully a new future, the motor dies on the boat and the boat is sinking. Now, this is true, and I'll give you her words in a sec. This is, this is what she said. We were the only four in the boat who knew how to swim. I had one hand with the rope attached to the boat, one hand on the rope. As I moved my two legs and one arm, and she started swimming. Hours from where they wanted to go. Hours. She says, it was three and a half hours in cold water. This is her words. Your body is like, almost like done. I don't know if I can describe that. Immense endurance that she had. All that training. She didn't expect that training to be used for this. It was not what she planned. It was not her plan. But she endured. How do we build our faith in the good times when things are going well? How do we get that strength that when something doesn't go our way, we can endure the challenges life gives us? Finally, we need patience in our speech. And this is where James finishes this section. He's spoken a lot about speech, and he doesn't miss it now when we talk about patience. And we live in this world that's full of recorded opinion, okay? I mean, we're I kind of encouraged to express our feelings instantly on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever it is. You express what you're thinking. Um, and we're British. We like to complain and grumble. 2014. 400,000 tweets complaining about public transport, rail companies. Big numbers. 2015, Southern receives hundreds of thousands. And when they made some announcement about how many complaints they had had, there was this firestorm on social media, everyone complaining about the complaints. You know, it's like a big thing. We, we, we've, we love to express our views. And uh, this American think tank, the Pew Research Center, they, they've studied teenagers and how they manage what they say online, their privacy. And there's this really interesting report. There's loads of numbers in it, but here's a couple, just a couple. 60% um, of teenagers have deleted or edited something they've posted online. Over 50% have deleted comments from other people. And over 20% have posted things that they regretted later. And 
You see, teenagers know one thing. Teenagers are smart, right? They know that the things they say are the benchmark of who they are. People judge them by what they say. And that's recorded on social media. That's why they edit it, to get things right. What we say is the benchmark of who we are. The whole of our life, our character. We've seen it already. I think Rob was doing James 1. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. And as we come to the rich at the beginning of James, the danger, and we saw it in the end of chapter 4 as well when we talked about planning last week, the danger is pride. The speech danger is pride, boasting about our riches, about our plans, about all these things. But here, it's a flip side. Because when we're under pressure and we've got complaints, the challenge is grumbling, it's complaints. I don't know if the band want to come back because I'm, I'm wrapping up. Yeah. You know, we need immense patience when we're dealing with each other. Like Job, he was took to the edge, not just by the events, but interestingly, by the people around him, by the response of those around him, what was being said around him. Grumbling, groaning, fretting, impatient complaint. And James urges us just to avoid complaint and blame. Proverbs says that a fool gives vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Are we around others, observing them, their problems? Are we in a situation? I don't know if you've been in a conversation where you're talking about someone, maybe in the office, a little bit of a hushed tone, it's a, yeah, it's a really difficult person, and you're in a room and you're, you're chatting, and then suddenly the door opens and they walk in. How awkward is it if they might have heard what you said? James says, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law. Who are you to judge your neighbor? It's not for today, but the emphasis on the tongue is what James considers the right emphasis is the end of chapter 5, this aspect of prayer. We're not to judge those around us. And it comes out so frequently as we complain. It's so easy, isn't it? James is just counselling us to be part of the solution, not the problem. Are we praying and supporting those around us? Or if we're in a scenario, what is our, our faith? How are we expressing it? So as we wrap up, my life's a work in progress and I confess my need for Christ to be a part of that. We're not perfect and James is not counselling us to be perfect every day. He knows we slip up. It's an aspiration. We have to work and strive to that. But we're challenged to work. Active patience, active patience, hard, hard-working patience, enduring patience. Wait patiently for God to give the increase, for God to give the reward. You're going to be tested, tested in your suffering, tested in your speech. But remember, remember that God is near. He'll do right for you. Take your complaint to him. Take your issues with him. Support those around you. Remember, 
Christ is ever so near. His handle is on the door. Any minute, he will walk in and he will judge the character of your life. We're going to finish now. And I just would just encourage you to come forward if you'd uh, love to just pray about something that's going on in your life. You know, it was a, a, a couple of weeks back, actually a couple of months back, um, someone came forward and I prayed with someone who'd come forward and they surprised me by turning around and asking me if there's something in my life to pray for. And I was taken by surprise and I said, yeah, okay. And they prayed for this thing. And months have gone past, but I've seen a massive change in that scenario. I'm really blessed by praying for someone because they turned it back on me. So I would just be encouraged to pray for people because I know how much I need to exercise that and be prayed for myself. Especially in this area of patience as I get so impatient with the things I have on in my life. So please come forward and uh, just share with someone, maybe it's someone standing next to you, uh, just what your frustrations are and we can pray with each other for patience. Patience to persevere. Patience to work through the challenges we have. Patience with God's great plan for your life that will end in a great reward if you persevere with him. So I'm going to pray and then the band is going to come back. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for my dependence on you. I confess it. I know how much I need it within my life. You give us such a framework and we need to learn so much. Again and again, we need to learn so many things that are not right about our lives. We confess that, Father. But I pray for patience, patience with your plan for my life. That you would bring about your plan, not mine. That I would have patience with what you're teaching me. With the things you've given me. Help me to walk with you patiently each day. Not rush off with my own plans. But to rush into your plans. And patiently wait for you to do your thing, I pray. I just pray for all of us. That you would teach us patience with your plan for our life. Whatever things that are frustrating us in our lives right now. That you would come, Lord Jesus, and give us patience. You've encouraged us, Father, that your plan will bring great reward. Give us patience with your plan for our life, I pray. Amen.